All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 299 of the KISS FAQ podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. Today, we've got the United Nations of our KISS panel going. We've got Daniel from Sweden. Hello. We've got David Donnelly from the UK. Hi, Taps. And, of course, from the Great White North, Canada, the, Midas, the mighty Marcus Almighty. Mark, good to see you again. Greetings, my friends. So, gents, it's always good to convene the congregation to talk about KISS. But uh, I do want to just check in with each one of you as to how you're doing in this time of challenge. Daniel, Sweden seems to be the real outlier at the moment. Not a tremendous amount of cases, not a tremendous amount of restrictions being reported in uh, at least the international press. How are you guys doing there? Well, we're, we're comparing to the other countries in, you know, Central Europe, we're doing just fine. I think we have like 200 cases where people have died in uh, Sweden, so that's not a lot. But uh, there, there are restrictions, of course. Uh, I work at a school, and there's a whole lot of restrictions on how you serve food and um, how you stand in line and where you eat and all that kind of stuff. And... You can't have gatherings with more than 50 people. So that cancels all activities when it comes to like sports and music events and cinema and that sort of stuff. So it's kind of it's a big thing, but but not when it comes to people dying. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's uh, that's yeah. fortunate. Moving down the world to the United Kingdom. David, how are you coping at this time? I know the, the British government did finally put in restrictions <laughs> and I was going to be today. I would have been flying back to the U.S. had I made it out to the U.K. So yeah. uh, how, how are you doing wherever you are? Well, sorry, I missed you. Um, well, I'm personally doing all right. I mean, um, we've got a restriction on no more than two people um, oh. in, in, in public. Um, and it's, uh, but I, you know, my, my sister and my niece are both working at the big hospital, uh, where I live. So it's nerve wracking. You know, my sister said she's quite scared every time she goes into work, but she goes in every day. And, um, I've just been coping, but I'm just thankful that I've got a large record collection and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't mean to make light of it. I'm genuinely thankful because I know people who, friends of mine who their whole thing is going out and stuff they don't really sort of collect anything and stuff so I just I can picture them just wondering what the heck to do but I felt a bit lethargic from time I had a shave this morning and I now I feel like I should be up for some sort of award but uh, (laughs) but you know I'm trying to sort of keep some sort of semblance of busyness you know my house is spotless though you know yeah, there's only so many times you can clean it, though, isn't there? Yeah, so exactly. it, it's one of those situations. I was reading the BBC this morning, and uh, I saw they were flying drones in Derby, catching dog walkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it is really. It's it's very 1984 in terms of the book, you know, uh, because it's kind of the drones have got speakers in them, aren't they? And it says, you know, go back inside, go indoors, you know. But the thing is, like Daniel said, you know, we're up to 1,400 people dead now, um, and so really. If, you know, if I can't go, I mean, as a musician, I'm fucked. You know, it's like festival season is usually mm. my 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 big season, and and uh, you know, I'm supposed to be heading off to Belgium in three four weeks, but it's not going to happen because yeah. it's pulled. So it's uh, yeah, it's a shame. But like Daniel quite rightly said, if if it saves one person, everyone just sort of doing the right thing, then do the right thing is what we've got to do. And the thing is, we've got each other. We've got Skype. We've got, you know, it's, uh, you can keep in touch. It's not as good as face-to-face chats, but, um, you know, you do what you can just to try and hopefully snuff this thing out as quickly as possible. So I hope everyone out there in my country and all of yours is uh, are doing all right. Yep, just stay away from each other. Now's the time to be an introvert. Woo! Yeah, Mark, yeah. <laughs> let's go to Canada for a, a quick update on how how are you doing? I, no doubt you're keeping yourself <laughs> occupied writing music. Oh, I'm keeping very occupied. I mean, to be honest, there's been moments during this time that I've been so wrapped up in doing things that 
if I didn't go into the living room and turn on the news and realize that, oh, there's been another 200 cases added in Ontario, I wouldn't even know probably what the heck is going on half the time. But, you know, it is a serious thing um, on my in my street where I walk my dog, Jackie, there it's like a complete ghost town. Like every once in a blue moon, you'll see somebody step outside and, you know, go to somewhere because everything here is pretty much closed. Restaurants closed, everything closed. The only thing they're allowing is for like takeout. Like you can order like food from the restaurant, but you have to pick it up or you have groceries that are delivered now, uh, which is good for me because, you know, having my elderly mom with me here, um, I can't risk anything with her. You know, she's 75 years old. If I even bring a smidge of that in here, then it's going to be bad news bears for her. Right. So uh, I, you know, I'm keeping track of things, you know, bills through the Internet and stuff like that, you know, just trying to keep away from people. But at the same time, you know, I think Dave is absolutely right. And so is Daniel. You know, we have to be smart about this stuff and, you know, keep our distance. The more we do that, the quicker we'll get rid of it and we can get back to a normal semblance of life. And I'll tell you one thing I noticed really quickly. uh, The air quality here has gotten so much better. It's unbelievable because I live by a highway. Just behind my house is a big major highway quiet maybe a car here and there and when you go outside you can take a huge breath and it's like wow i don't remember breathing this kind of fresh air in who knows how long you know even my dog's like outside rolling around on her back like happy you know with the way things are outside but you know maybe maybe with this little bit of a disaster that's happening maybe there'll be some ray of sunshine that may come out of it maybe something pollution wise may improve because of it who knows so let's always try to look for the silver lining my friends always look yeah. on the bright side of life julian julian i've just got to say this before you move on is that i am um, finally i finally treated myself to this ah brilliant <laughs> and uh, I tell you, I can't recommend it more. Listen to it with this. <laughs> it's just great. It's just great. I mean, I know it's a weird concept for people that you can own four albums for 42 years and, you know, not playing for a while or just think. But the pleasure that I got just putting each one, each album on and just going to the uh, the appropriate pages and just looking through you're such a humble bloke. I know you always, oh, it's another book I put out. But uh, it's a wonderful thing. Well, cheers. So I, just wanted to, I just wanted to say thanks for that because that has burnt some hours, I tell you that. Well, I appreciate that. <coughs> that is very kind of you. All right, so before we move on, I do just want to say stay home, listen to podcasts, discover new podcasts, keep yourself healthy so that we can protect our first responders, nurses, you know, doctors, those who are caring for the critically sick. The fewer people they have to come into contact with, the healthier they're going to stay because they're putting themselves at risk every single time they go to work, and we thank them uh, for doing that job for us. Uh, we don't get taken care of otherwise. Let's get into today. You know, everyone's coping with the situation in different ways. Bruce has been sharing a ton of his riffs and talking about mm-hmm. his songs on Instagram and Twitter, uh, which has been very entertaining. Paul Stanley now has gotten into the act and has done his first two kind of songs and story sessions. He's spoken about Love Gun the other night, and last night he got an acoustic guitar out, told us all about Martin acoustics and the importance of those to him, and went into a performance Every time of I look at you. Every Time I Look at You. And I wanted to get your guys' uh, opinion of you know how these guys are doing. I think Gene's uh, sharing some sketches that he's doing to keep himself occupied. So, Daniel, what was your take on uh, on Paul and his song stories, songs and stories? And what would you like to hear from him if you got to be his boss for one day and say, hey, Paul? Mm. I'd like that. Well... Uh, I think it was a great thing on Paul to do. Um, I guess if I could pick and choose, I would actually like him to uh, talk about the, for example, Lick It Up sessions with Vinnie Vincent. Uh, I know he has a lot of uh, hatred, I guess, towards that guy. But uh, if he could say something nice about Vinnie Vincent and Vinnie Vincent's talents when it comes to songwriting, because most of the time they just say, well, Vinnie's a talented guy. Uh, who, you know, uh, he got the keys to the kingdom, but he, like, hang himself when he got them. But uh, 
I would like to hear in detail what did Vinny do that was so great? Uh, what kind of, uh, how was it when they, you know, worked on a song? Who did what? Uh, that would be really interesting, but uh, I'm not sure he will do that. Another thing is, uh, I'd like to hear a bit more about Forever, how it came about that he started writing with Michael Bolton uh, and what he thought of the success of that song, because it was quite some time since they had a hit in the U.S. So was he surprised by the, uh, you know, the critical acclaim and the the the, the sales of that song? Uh, what did it do for them? How did it um, affect the touring that they did or, or afterwards? All that kind of stuff would be real nice to hear. Uh, I'm more into hearing the stories than actually hearing him play the songs because I've already heard perfect versions. So I'd like him, like I, w- I would like him to talk a bit more, speak about the, you know, the minutia. And um, if I could pick one more thing, I guess, uh, well, anything from the um, non-makeup era because they haven't talked a lot about that. So anything from, you know, Asylum, Animal Eyes. Uh, Maybe even crazy nice. I, I think it would be cool. So there's a lot of stories to be told. So let's hope he he, he, he does that. Yeah, and he did go into a little bit of the minutiae with Love Gun. You know, there yeah. he, he was playing some Zeppelin for reference and talking about yeah. Albert King, talking mm-hmm. about the blues songs from which that that uh, kind of that concept came from that he, that he borrowed and adapted into crafting Love Gun, yeah. which I I loved. I mean, you remember Booker, uh, you know, and the original songwriters uh, who did the Hunter, and uh, and I loved being right that I figured it was the Albert King version, not the Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, kind of his entry point to that. David, what about you? I mean, as a, a musician, do you get a special sort of appreciation out of Paul sitting there with a guitar talking about his music? Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, one thing I really like, did you all see that thing? Is it was it, is it Ernie Ball strings that he uses? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. strings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a precursor to this. And I thought it was great just whipping out the riffs um and kind of obviously people like me just as well watching his hands you know and uh, just to make sure that when we've been playing them we're playing them in the right place or whatever you know when you have mm-hmm. a crack at something and so on that level i mean i'd like him to keep going i'd like him to do like a, a, a just a vocal and guitar version of hard luck woman for instance because it's kind of his song and i think it'd be interesting to hear you know uh, a paul stanley version of that you know nice and, and then maybe tell us also about you know but said he wrote it for rod stewart it is very maggie may isn't it you know and so mm. it'd be interesting to know you know how did that sort of how did that all come about you know what did he did he actually put it forward and um i've always wanted to ask a bit more about because the brazil the last gig in makeup in brazil or oh, it fascinates me i love that live footage but i'd love to know what what made you go out in like a jeans and t-shirt almost? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like, well, what was going through your head? Did you know it was, were you just kind of preparing in a way for when you'd go out in your civilian clothes, as it were, or what, what was that about? I mean, that whole trip, that Rio footage and stuff is amazing, you know, and it's, uh, I obviously, I've never played anywhere that big, but I have toured Brazil and they are nuts. And I can just imagine the noise coming off that crowd would have been extraordinary. You can see them steaming, you know, and it is that sort of thing. You know, I didn't do any outdoor places in Brazil, but they are the minute you kick off. It's just like a wall of any. I'd just like to hear a bit more about that because it kind of it's almost like a little sort of tail end bit where it's gone down in history as being a bit of a downer. You know, even though it was like the biggest audience they'd had, they knew that, you know, the the. the the axe was coming down, as it were, you know, but uh, I love that. I, I love all that sort of stuff. But, you know, yeah, I'd love to hear him do and explain things like, wouldn't you like to know me? And it's all right. And, you know, that sort of thing. I, I'd, I'd love to hear more about what they were about, you know. But I mean, thankfully, because we've got all these books, <laughs> all these books. But, you know, things like, um, is it Kiss and Makeup that's got a song by song thing? And then there's the box set stuff. So, that, I mean, you know, there's quite a lot of descriptions about um about kiss songs and what have you but yeah i'd like to know a bit more about those those are my favorite you know 
Yeah, I, mean, I know it's a lot to to ask, but I would actually like to hear him be a bit more critical of his own stuff. You know, yeah, at yeah, times it feels like he's almost a robot. You know, talking yeah. about how good it is, it would actually yeah, yeah. make him look a bit more humane. I mean, you mean, I mean, show him your weak stuff as well. Maybe talking about, well, this song wasn't the greatest one, and this is what I was trying to do. That's not his style. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like good. To hear that. <laughs> he can't afford doing that because he's written so many classic songs. So if you mention one stinker, nobody will care. Yeah, and that was what that. was that was going to be in my list, you know. <laughs> ah, that, sorry. Yeah, because you know I would love to hear from Paul and Mark. I'm, I apologize, going out of order here, but stuff like "Best Man for You," some of these demos Paul did in the late '80s, you know, some of which were apparently or allegedly, purportedly geared towards someone like Cher. Um, I would love for him to talk about those, why they didn't end up being used within a, a KISS context. Uh, so Best Man for You, When Two Hearts Collide. Um, Sword and Stone? Sword and yeah, you know, that as well. You know, so maybe some of the songs that didn't make it onto the KISS albums, It's My Life you know, from his perspective, you know, and mm -hmm. I know he, he's kind of said in interviews, you know, that that was more Gene's song. Uh, but, you know, he, David also, you know, touched on a really good point of having him talk about, you know, some of the kind of historic moments the, that stand out to him, like that Brazil and the heaving mass of South American metal maniacs. I mean, you know, mm. it, it would be great to hear from him kind of reminiscing about stuff that maybe was left out of Face the Music or Backstage Pass or, you know, just some of the things that he'd like to talk about. So, you know, the scope is there for a whole lot of things. Now, David touched on, you know, what makes the world go round and i'm like brilliant mate you know that is you know i'd love to hear or even see him play a verse and a little bit of a chorus of a song that's never ever going to be performed by kiss um yeah. so so that would be awesome but i also agree with daniel that you know the 80s well i think bruce is covering the 80s very well so i i'm kind of mixed and conflicted about whether i'd want him you know stepping on bruce's toes talking strictly about that so sure knows something or magic touch you know off dynasty you know anything that he's written would be great and i would love to hear about an unreleased paul song from the 1970s so don't you hesitate you know which obviously yeah. was on the yeah, box yeah, yeah. you know and just to give us the context of that but you know what i'm also thoroughly happy if paul just does it his way because right now he's done Love Gun. He's gone into every time I look at you. So he's talked about Bob Ezrin and, you know, that era. You know, he seems to be picking very well from the wheelhouse of what he wants to talk about that I'm finding interesting. I love the format that he's doing. Um, I might like a little bit less playing and more talking, but he's not filling the air with unnecessary stuff, which is nice. Mark, what are your thoughts on it and some of your picks? Well, um, I think I'm going to start off by saying that I, I think that what he's doing is really good, really essential. I know a lot of uh, KISS fans that I see on Facebook are already starting to, you know, bounce off walls and pulling their hair out for whatever reason. Uh, so, you know, having him come on there is something that people are starting to look forward to now. When's the next Paul thing going to come up so I can check it out? And, and, and I find that his presentation of it is very soothing i find him very comforting for whatever reason that when i hear him talking it sounds very reassuring and when he's talking about you know even when he talks about you know staying home and you know acknowledging the first responders and stuff like that i, I always get this feeling that when it comes out of paul's mouth that the kiss community takes it much more seriously that you know it's like almost like an authoritative voice like you know your older brother going you know like listen don't screw around here. And when Paul says it, you know, he kind of sit up a little bit more straighter and acknowledge it a little bit more than if Gene said it with Gene, you're like, yeah, whatever. That's Gene, you know, you know, what does he know? You know? So uh, I, I kind of get it that his thing is very good in that way. I, I, I've enjoyed some of his playing. I think it's not really necessary for him to try to belt out the songs. I mean, even if he just sang it in normal voice, I think people would love it. You're just there to kind of show the song. It doesn't have to be, you know, you know, Grammy award-winning performance on here to do it, right? Just play it and let people know the story behind it. I mean, 
Um, I, I would have liked to hear some of the stuff from the, from the solo records a little bit more. Like, you know, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, I think is a good song to talk about. I also think I'd like to hear something from Unmasked, like maybe Tomorrow. Like, wh- what was the impetus on that? Like, what did he, what was he thinking of when he was writing that? Was he going in thinking pop material? Was he thinking, you know, something different? Or, and even the Asylum. I mean, you know, we all know that me and Ju- me, Julian, we love that album. That's like our favorite on. Un- you know, out of makeup album. And I think that, you know, songs like Who Wants to Be Lonely, you know, he could whip out a couple of parts in that and just talk about what what was he thinking when he wrote it? Why did he write it? You know, that to me is such an important record to me. I'd love to hear a little bit of a background on that. And I know there's other people out there that want to do it as well. But the great thing is because we have such a long, well, we're suspecting there's going to be a long period of sitting at home still ahead he has a lot of great songs you can go through, and I'm sure a lot of great stories as well to go through. So the internet now, while you know, before there was a group of people, whether they were older people like our parents and stuff, they're always saying, ah, oh, you get off that phone. It's such a, you know, you're sticking your nose in the phone for too long or you're on the internet too long. Now we should be very happy that we have it because in these times when people don't know what to do with themselves, maybe this is the thing that's keeping them from not going bonkers. Yep, exactly. David, you know, if Tommy, Eric, or Gene were to do something similar in like a roughly five-minute kind of spot um, talking about their music or maybe showing instruments or whatever, what would you like to see from them? What would you enjoy and help pass your time in isolation from them? Well, um, well, Gene, it's a bit difficult because he did all the vault stuff, so he kind of did that, you know. It's I'm trying to sort of think, you know, what what he could add that that would be different to his vault appearances, where he did precisely that, telling stories and 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 doing versions and that sort of thing. But I would like to know about some things, like you know, where did she come from? You know, I know it's Wicked Lester and you know him and Steve Cornell, but uh, you know, sort of, I I don't think I've known much of a backstory about that sort of thing. So yeah, more of that with. Eric and Tommy, a bit difficult, particularly with Eric, because uh, he's only kind of sings on two of his own songs, if you know what I mean. And uh, But I would love for him to maybe do a sit down at the kit thing and show us all how to do the Detroit Rock City Shuffle, you know, because I've, I've never worked that out. How that, I mean, you know, and, uh, and maybe, you know, some of his favourite Kiss or Alice Cooper tracks to play, you know. Um, what does he enjoy playing? You know, because obviously there's when he joined the band, he had to play a certain set. But there must be songs where each time it comes round, he thinks, ah, this great playing this. You know, it's uh, that would be good. And Tommy, um, get ready for the hate mail. Um, but I love Out of This World. I love it. I don't know why. I just I said it's a cracking song. I think it's really really cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, it'd be good to. Uh, what I'd like to know is what what songs caused him the biggest headache to learn when he had to join, like you know, the the solo for forever. Creatures you know, I mean, he must have sat on his bed working that one out for hours. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's a tricky tricky one. That I've never heard anyone play it quite as well as Bruce, but uh, I'd I'd be interested to know someone like him who Tommy, who's an extremely good guitar player. Um, you know, there must have been somewhere. Wow, you know, that's a bit of a tricky one because you know, Ace, as you know, um, one one of the reasons we like Ace is because he didn't really play by the rules. You know, it's sort of they just go tearing off. I mean, I had a, I've tried to play the solo for Rocket Ride, and it's a corker, but um, it's not it's not easy. It's not easy, you know. But uh, so yeah, that's that's what I'd like. Is it'd be nice if uh, Eric and Tommy, for instance. Their, their perspective is so cool, I think, coming in from outside. And, uh, you know, what things freaked them out? There must have been quite a few moments where they just had sort of jaw-dropping, sort of, I can't believe I'm actually doing this moments. And uh, But like I say, with Gene, it's a bit difficult because, I, you know, I watched all the videos that came up with the vault stuff and what have you, and, and that was fascinating. So it would just be more of that, really. Sorry to be here. Uh, dull on that one. Yeah. Well, done that. Got the T-shirt. Forget it, Gene. You know. <laughs> yeah. Actually, what you what you said, uh, rolling back a few minutes and what have you. You said um, you said about what makes the world go round, and that that's a brilliant suggestion because I do love that song, and it is. And what I actually said, I think, is, wouldn't you like to know me? But yeah, what makes the world go round 
It was a single in this country. Why was it a single in this country? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I wonder why they picked that for the UK with a picture of Ace on the front, you know. Yeah. But I don't think we'd get answers for that sort of No, I, I, don't, I don't think he even knows why that, and it was probably no. just phonogram said, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, where, especially when they were in flux. But, that, you know, again, you know, the point's taken that stories, you know, about anything would be interesting. Daniel, what about you with the other three members of Current Kiss? Well, and as you said, David, uh, Gene has told a lot of stories about the songwriting, but there's one... Uh, area that i would like him to um, you know go in depth and that's movies you know gene is a movie buff he likes a lot of old you know detective movies black and white it would be nice to see him go in depth uh, on movies and do like a top five i don't know his top five actors his top five movies or specify a genre that he enjoy like uh, horror films what are the best horror films that he's, he's seen and maybe tell some anecdotes from his own movie career mm-hmm. you know yeah. top five polaroids perhaps <laughs> yeah that might be. but i actually like him to, to talk about movies because he seems to know a whole lot about old films and movies so, so that would be kind of interesting uh, eric of course i would like to hear him talk about when he first joined kiss in 92 <clears throat> that first tour you know the club tour uh, the tour of England, and uh, I think they played uh, Wales, Scotland, maybe. Uh, and then they went on the stadium tour in America. What were his impressions of, of the fans? And uh, was he surprised by how KISS fans were? Or uh, And some anecdotes from, from, you know, the life on tour. He's actually delivered in great ways in many interviews, I think. He's uh if if he gets the correct questions, uh, he answers them. It's not it's not like Paul and Gene who's so you know like politically correct all the time. Eric can go on go go off on a tangent and and talk about whatever. So I think it would be real nice to hear him talk about that specific tour, mostly because that's when I was like at my kiss <coughs> echelon or at the height of my kiss fandom. So it would be real nice. Tommy, I don't know. He seems like such a nice guy. You, you just want to sit down and, you know, have a beer with him and mm. uh, and have a nice mm-hmm. time. Uh, it's almost like he's too nice, you know. Uh, he, 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 wouldn't, <laughs> uh, he, he wouldn't be very exciting, I think. But who knows? Uh, so, so Gene about movies and Eric about the revenge tour. That would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think Tommy could surprise some fans with uh, stuff that he could talk about. Mark, you know, what's, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I agree. I think Gene has been up to this point probably one of the most active people on YouTube and stuff like that. So, you know, we already know quite a lot about different things, whether it's, whether it's songs or stuff like that. One thing I would love to see him do a little bit more, which he doesn't do because he's always said that he's not one of those type of guys is that I'd love to see him pull out some of his instruments, you know, pull out your old Pedula bass from, you know, back in the asylum days, you know, or pull out some of your older, you know, instruments that you have and, you know, show them off a little bit, talk about them a bit, you know, how kind of how Paul showed the Martin guitar a little bit, you know, pull out some of your stuff that you have in your collection. I mean, you know, he has some stuff. There's got to be some stuff, you know, even pull out some of your old bass amps or something. If you have something and talk about it. I think to me, that's, as a musician, I'm sure David too would be probably interested in that. Even Daniel too, obviously being a musician as well, would be interested in that. Even you too, Julian, you're a musician. You would be interested probably in that kind of stuff as well. He's seeing different instruments and stuff like that. Um, as for Eric, one thing I would love to see, and I think David touched on this briefly, is you know get him like a kick and a snare and a hi hat and just get him to go through some parts that he's played. Maybe some of his favorite drum parts through Kiss history. One thing I'd love for him to talk about because I noticed this as I did my look through different KISS videos throughout the years, when he joined KISS, he took songs and completely <laughs> modified them to much more modernized versions, like Detroit Rock City and even Deuce was a lot more... He made them a lot more active and stuff. And uh, then you notice that when he started doing tours like you know Alive 35 and stuff like that, all of a sudden, he had a slightly smaller kit he wasn't going so crazy on the kick drum anymore. They kind of rolled him back a bit. They kind of put the leash on him a bit and said, whoa, 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 whoa. We need you to play just a little bit more like how Peter played it. And uh, 
I'd like to have to talk about that. If they actually sat him down and said, you know, listen, we don't want you to go so, you know, 2002 on this. We need you to play a little 70s, you know. So, and I'd also like him to talk about, you know, maybe what are some of the the drum patterns, the original drum patterns that he likes, and what drum patterns did he not like, and try to kind of modify more to his style. That's the kind of thing I've always loved to know about him is, what did you take and kind of said, you know what, I hope they don't notice, but I'm going to throw in a couple of extra kick hits here, or maybe throw in an extra roll here and there. You know, what did he turn into Eric Singer drumming and not Peter Chris drumming, or even Eric Carr drumming, you know what I mean? Mm. Talk about that. I, I, that's one thing I always loved about people in Yes. Like whenever they had a different keyboard player come in, they do an interview with them and he'd always talk about, you know, oh, I love the way this guy played keyboards because he did this. Or I love the way he did this because he did this. What does Eric like about the other drummers? What does he dislike? Come on, you know, 40 years, we, we, we he, there should be no shame in talking about it now. Uh, as for Tommy, I think that I'd love to hear about some of the Psycho Circus stuff because we know that he was involved in it. You know, we know there's solos that he, was, that he did that were not credited to him. There you go. And, uh, you know, maybe talk about it, those now. I mean, it's no secret anymore that he was involved in it, so there's nothing to hide. You know, maybe talk about some of the favorite solos that he did that maybe still some people might not be aware of, you know. And uh, I think that, like you said, Julian, Tommy could probably surprise us with a lot of the stuff that he knows and that he could talk about. And may, probably he maybe hasn't talked about it because maybe people haven't asked him about it maybe they don't think that he knows about certain things he might surprise a lot of people there's a pretty good article on tommy thayer in sweden rock magazine it's like almost 10 pages where he goes through you know his history with the band kind of interesting but he always seemed to keep in mind that his employers are paul and gene a bit and he should as well so he so he, he doesn't tell it all, of course, but but it's a real good interview. Unfortunately, there is there is no English version of it, so you guys probably Google Translate. Seen. Yeah, <laughs> works. Well, I think I think Mark had a Mark had a really good point there with uh, with the Gene thing. Because one of the, one of the things that just kind of frustrates me about Gene Simmons is that when anybody asks him about his bass playing and stuff like, that, he just kind of just yeah. glosses over it. He's not interested in talking about, it. and yet I I I just think you know anyone who's worn a pair of headphones while listening to Kiss stuff. He's a fantastic bass player, you know, and like you say, it'd be interesting to hear, you know, does he still have any of his old sort of SVT heads and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff? Does he still, you know, but they're really the playing. It's like people try and, I've seen people try and compliment him in, in interview or try and get him onto the subject of his instrument. And it's, he's, he'll carry on just trotting out the whole sort of, you know, we wear high heels and more makeup than your mama <laughs> and all this sort of stuff. It's like, look, just, you know, <laughs> I think he's a great musician. It's frustrating because I think he's very underrated as a bass player. He, you know, how, you know, to play those sort of lines and run about and sing, you know, that's a, that's a talent right there. Yeah, I think all three of you covered some very good ideas and suggestions for each one of these guys, so that doesn't give me a lot of places to go. Uh, I know from my conversation interviewing both Tommy and Eric for the Aerosmith book that Eric would be very, very good. Well, actually, my number one thing, I'd love to see him try and do it in five minutes and limit himself to five minutes. That would be pure entertainment. But um, Eric's a talker. And he has such a deep musical knowledge, and I think I've mentioned previously on, on this and other shows that, um, you know, he he was schooling me on Queen, yeah, and and his knowledge obviously he worked with Brian May of bands in the seventies. Uh, his appreciation for bands in the seventies would be a nice way for him to step outside the Kiss box. I'd, I'd like for him to do maybe his top three. Alice Cooper albums and his mm. top three Kiss albums, um, his favorite albums, you know, growing up, talking about, you know, Deep Purple. You know, we, we started having a conversation twice about Deep Purple. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's got a lot to say about these albums, both from a performance point of view as a drummer and just as a fan of music. The ESP album was a great you know, representation of a lot of the music that he likes and other, you know, other of those participants liked. And I think he can share a lot of really fun things about that without talking about Kiss. You know, maybe talk, you know, Icebreaker, you know, arriving in L.A., 
um, doing the Olivia Newton-John video, uh, working mm. with Lita, working with Tony and Lita, and then transitioning mm. into Black Sabbath and talking about those albums that he performed on. Talk about Ray Gillen, Badlands. They'll talk mm. about doing the demo sessions with uh, Ian Asbury and uh, Billy Duffy, you know, uh, mm. for the cults on a temple album that there is so much that he can talk about with music talk about working with brian may on the uh the nelson mandela concert lots of stuff like that um and you've covered also you know how he approached drumming stuff that had been performed by eric carr or peter chris and you know what he adapted and what he changed you know that stuff would be really fun and fascinating too so uh eric would be awesome from that just because of his musical passion. Tommy Thayer has the exact same musical passion for a lot of the bands that we all grew up with and appreciated. So I think similar for him. But I'd also like Tommy to talk about, um, you know, working with Gene in the studio, you know, telling just stories from those experiences. And obviously he worked with Bruce Fairburn in Black and Blue and then again for Psycho Circus. So that's a nice contrast between two bands and the same producer. Um, his favorite Kiss songs to play, his favorite solos, you know, what is that one solo that he performs night after night after night that he gets the most satisfaction out of nailing or, or when he comes off stage and he's just like, you know, really enjoyed performing it, you know, is it the same? Is there one that challenges him more than another? Uh, talk about the reunion and the role that he fulfilled and expand on what it was like to, you know, help Ace relearn his material, you know, and some of the things that have become somewhat legendary um, from him working with the band. You know, that that would be really interesting. You know, set the scene for maybe, you know, one day down the road, there might be a Tommy Thayer autobiography. You know, give us a little tease into that. You know, some of the other bands that he toured with, you know, obviously I had some nice Aerosmith tour um, stories. Obviously, Black and Blue opened for them on the Back in the Saddle tour uh, in 1984 85. So he, he's got a dearth of really good stories that I'm sure he could tell without offending anyone. He's got a dearth of great music that he's been a part of creating in Black and Blue and in Kiss that he can talk about. Um, so that'd be interesting. Gene. All right, I think Gene's comic book collection, if he has one, uh, and movie collection would really be the most interesting thing. I disagree vehemently with David. I (laughs) don't care that he has already done acoustic songs and stories. There are a lot more songs and stories, which I would love Gene to kind of approach, and it's all the stuff that didn't make it onto the vault. Um, To just kind of pick up the acoustic and strum some of that stuff, and he did that with Jella. the, uh, the Dutch vault session where he played a song that, you know, was demoed, but didn't make the vault. And he actually played some of it. You know, this is a guy who can't remember the lyrics to kiss song playing a song. He probably hasn't <laughs> even heard in 40 years. I mean, just go figure. But I think Gene's top 10 horror movies would be really, yeah. really fun. And I, I don't watch horror movies, but I'd be really interested to know what he liked about each one of these Gene's, you know, um, shows that he watched as a young immigrant to America that helped him learn the language, you know, and to tell us about each one of those and the ones that he loved, you know, his radio shows in the, uh, or maybe even for him to pop out copies of his fanzines, you know, mm-hmm. digital yeah. copies of his fanzines for us to read, you know, on mm-hmm. Twitter, that would be really fun. And for him yeah. and to talk about each one, um, each issue, that he's sharing that day in a short segment would be very entertaining. But you know what? It's easy for me to spend other people's time, just like it's easy to spend other people's, you know, money. But moving on from that kind of thing, what do you think the band can do at this time of struggle? And this applies to many bands to, you know, keep their fans engaged at a time that they're canceling and rescheduling shows, that product is being delayed. You know, what are some of the things that you'd like to see KISS as an entity or maybe other bands do uh, while we're all confined? Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Well, I I thought about this and I think one of the things that is really doing good for a lot of bands is the use of YouTube and just doing, you know, 
in home performances. I've seen, you know, quite a few different ones now. You know, Dave Grohl did one. Uh, there's there was tell of I think Elton John did some kind of piano performance in his living room or something. Uh, you know, those kind of things are are going to be interesting because people I think are starving for live performance because they can't go and see shows now. So even something as rudimentary as that might you know, get a lot of people's attention. One thing that's happening right now that I think is brilliant, and of course, once again, the band that we love to hate in the 2000s, but now seems to show their genius, Metallica, are putting up every week, you know, full concerts to watch on YouTube from their catalog, like whole professionally shot stuff they're showing on YouTube for people to watch. I mean, unbelievable that they're going out to do that, you know. I mean, a lot of people would, would, would absolutely die if Kiss did that. Like, oh, here's a show that we filmed back in 77 from so on and so forth. And we're just going to show it, you know. 78 or, Tokyo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the other thing that I would love to see them do, and it, this came immediately into my mind when I saw this question like posed for a topic today, is I remember there was a post, and I think you talked about it, Julian, how... Paul Stanley found a cassette somewhere in the in the warehouse of some old performance of something, maybe an old live thing. Was a Wicked Lester or Rainbow or something like that? Yeah, it was a, it was yeah. a, a Wicked Lester acoustic or a rehearsal reel that we still haven't how, found the status of. Or how, like, how about this? Pull that out, go on YouTube and announce that you know next week Friday at seven o'clock Eastern we're gonna do a live like listen to it, like he's gonna whip it on. To the real to real to real machine, and I'm gonna do a live listen to the whole thing beginning to end for all the Kiss fans. You know, come on to YouTube, and we're gonna to listen to this first time in 45 or 50 years. You know, you know how many people would probably they would probably crash YouTube for that. You know, like to, to people heard that they were gonna play stuff like that. I think these are the kind of things that bands could take full advantage of now. Like pull out, dust off some of the stuff that you have in your closet. Because the fans would probably love to hear this. You know what I mean? I'm kind of hoping secretly that people like Getty Lee or Alex might do that. You know, in tribute to Neil, maybe pull out an old show from 77, you know, and uh, show a great concert where Neil had a fantastic drum solo that night or something, you know, like and play it in its entirety. And, you know, maybe even do commentary about it while you're listening to it. You know, people would love to hear that stuff. That's one of the things I loved about Kissology was listening to the commentary track while watching it hearing their thoughts about it, you know? Could you imagine listening to that old, old concert performance of Wicked Lester or whatever and having Paul, you know, narrate to it, saying, oh, I remember when we did this. This is when so-and-so did that, you know? I think it would just be brilliant. So that's one of the things I think that they can take full advantage of. Use YouTube and these kind of mediums and and really quench the fans' thirst for, you know, stuff that we haven't heard. There are a lot of pro shots alive worldwide shows purportedly and there are you know obviously quite a few shows that have been filmed since 2004 um like monterey pops out you know whether they actually were or not they they did say they were filming them uh but there's so many problems no doubt with doing what metallica does anyone know what the metallica showed yesterday yeah paris paris 2017 oh nice okay i gotta catch up daniel what what's your your take on that well, Mark had a lot of great ideas. I mean, just going through the vault, showing stuff, just bringing a camera and going through and picking up stuff, that would be awesome. Um, but a kind of a wet dream I have is I would actually like to see a few of the members do some sort of podcast like this. That would be so beautiful. You know, having preferably Paul and Gene as the main guys, of course. I always like the dynamics between Paul and Gene, you know, both trying to be the top dog, trying to be the pack leader, kind of riffing off each other. And then bringing in guests, you know, like Michael James Jackson, Desmond Child, or even have all four band members in a discussion. And then they could just go through our topic lists, you know, top three albums, the top three songs, uh, go in depth on a record, Monster, the recording. Well, maybe not Monster, but, but one of the other albums. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, go in deep together and discuss and have fun. And, you know, that would be awesome to see. That would be the podcast of podcasts. And preferably with Paul and Gene, of course, and different guests coming, coming on. That would be great. That would be fantastic. 
Yeah, but it will never happen. But yeah, maybe not. But you know, yeah. hope. Rebellions are built on hope. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. David Donnelly, what are your thoughts? Um, well, <laughs> the reason I was grinning all the way through Mark's thing is he was pretty much word for word saying what I was going to say, which was, uh, you know, when I saw this was the, the one of the topics, I did think to myself, wouldn't it be great if they just sort of, you know, wrestled a few concerts out of the vault? And then last night, I was just, you know, having a YouTube watch of various things. And I just suddenly, I'm not, a, I have to admit, I'm not a big Metallica fan, but I suddenly saw this thing pop up and it said Metallica live now, but the date was, you know, Paris 2017. So I thought, okay. So I clicked on it and I, and then I realized what they were doing. They were streaming a gig, you know, like a full live gig. And yeah, I watched about three or four songs of it. And, and, and I just thought, ah, yeah, that's exactly what they should be doing. And the second thing I was going to say, which Mark also said was, um, I really enjoyed on the, history um kissology sorry on the kissology dvds i love the audio commentary um that they did on some things like the sydney show and things like that but they kind of dipped in and out a bit yeah. much but i mean and um yeah to use daniel's phrase it will never happen but i mean i'd i'd love to hear gene and paul do a commentary track for uh, kiss meets the phantom <laughs> just be great yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so basically Mark answered for me, but uh, we're obviously on the same lines there. But I, I just thought, and I didn't know that it, until literally until last night, I didn't realise that's what Metallica were doing. And so it's not because I'm a fan that I was able to answer your question. It's because I sort of fell over it last night as I was looking at other stuff on YouTube. And uh, I just thought, what a brilliant idea, because uh, it's uh, I couldn't work out whether it's the cameras from the screens or whether it's, you know, whether it's like they, they just pro shoot tons of gigs but uh it was it was a good good production and you know it's really good i think i just i must have caught the encores because it was all the songs i knew um but yeah that's a that's a great idea so so that yeah just, did uh, you watch the uh did you watch the uh hot in the shade show that julian and andrew yes i did that yes was... i did that was great again that's that's great you know um and uh you know, that's one of my little notes that I put down there was like do an intro to a live gig from the vaults a la Andrew Scambetti. You know, that, that sort of Scambetti, sorry. Um, but that sort of thing, you know, they, they I wonder if they could just sling together some, you know, vintage stuff or, or get Andrew to do it. I'm sure he'd be happy to do that. You know, he's a decent editor. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's a way of pulling this stuff together. You know, we've got the uh, they've got the army behind them. So, yeah. uh, you know, they should use it. Yeah, and and again, it really does come back to that for me. Again, we know of all these pro shots that were done, you know. So I I would just love to see those being thrown up. They're disposable. They're not the sort of thing that could really ever be sold. And when they were on Kissology and you had the Detroit um, reunion show on there with all the the black spots of when it wasn't they weren't using the screens and everything that's not really yeah. commercially viable material get it out there you know get it out there semi-officially as well you know Toledo yeah. su uh, circulates uh, what else circulates uh, the Eddie Cannon show uh, you know circulates yeah. stuff yeah, like yeah. that I, I would love to you know see some just anything you know, the response to the video that Andrew edited, you know, when we streamed it the three times, we always knew it was going to be a risk that someone would capture it and that we were perfectly fine with that. We talked about it before we ever showed any of it, that are we OK if someone does eventually? Yeah. You know, so it, it's out there on YouTube now and someone did capture it and boom, it's on YouTube and that's that's perfectly fine. It's not in the quality that I have sitting on a DVD here. Um, I don't like it being sold. So you know, the band yeah. has to accept that if they do do anything, it has to be something that they don't mind a, a bootlegger selling because otherwise just don't do it. You know, don't put anything out there that you wouldn't get you know wouldn't accept that someone is going to then monetize um because you know it you just get your don't get butthurt about it in other words because it's going to happen simple as that okay. um I, I like the idea of the kiss official podcast i think keith would make be a great host of that yeah. and be able to get all you know 
you know, five or four of them, you know, to on the same show. It could just be comedy time or maybe Tommy and Eric separately, Gene and Paul or combinations of, of whatever to talk about topics and let the fans pick the topic so that, you know, you're not going to necessarily get an hour. You might get 10 minutes, might even be only five. But if we can record a Skype call uh, on video, mm. certainly I would I would think that they could, you know, and take the topics from, you know, have people submit them to Kiss Online, and then present it to a panel of members of Kiss or even guests, Bruce Kulick. Mm. <gasps> Imagine that, you know? yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe even you know who, Ace <laughs> or Peter, you know, have have them call in to the official Kiss podcast. You know, it it would be fun. You know, it probably put the rest of the Kiss shows out of business because if Kiss is doing it from their horse's mouth, what the heck? Well, no, okay, that's stupid. You're not putting us out of business. All right, let's move into a couple topics from the board because there there have been a couple of kind of interesting ones in the past week. And uh, I'm not going to go in order because I think we'll come back and do some of these other ones on another occasion because we're getting close to our preferred hour mark. But uh, Gene didn't write Rock and Roll Hell was a topic. And I'm like, duh. But it raises the question, what other sort of kiss uh, revelations have you found shocking over the years and that made you maybe shake your head and sadly mutter, wow. You know, so stuff that maybe came out that really disappointed you or shocked you or you're really excited to learn about. David, let's start with you. Um, well, I thought of a good re- I'll, I'll go for a good revelation. Let's keep it positive. Uh, firstly, which was the um, I was a big fan of Marriage with Children, the TV series. Do you know that? I don't suppose. Daniel oh, yeah. Knows. Oh, do you, you do. Yeah, yeah, right? I've seen it. So uh, when I found out that Katie Segal sang sang on Gene's album, you know, because I'd seen that I didn't hook it up until, you know, well into that sort of thing. But I, I, I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. That, that was a cool thing. So you did more than sing on his album from what uh, I was. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, it's a nice little thing to my my other half is really into Sons of Anarchy. And she she loves uh, she loves Katie Segal's character in that. And I was quite chuffed with myself when I was managed to turn to her and just say, uh, you know, she sang on Gene Simmons' solo album, you know. <laughs> she goes, get the fuck out of it, yeah. You know, but yeah, it's true. So that was a good revelation that I didn't put together until a long, long time on there. But uh, um, to be honest, it is, I seem to have been getting my hooks into Gene really this episode, unfortunately. But it's kind of, it is that sort of stop telling us about how much money you've made and how much, how many women you've slept with. You know, I, I, I really would love to hear more about you know the the musical side you know because it, it is a bit of a repeat and that's when i shake my head is when i watch an interview i think oh cool great a new gene interview and then it's just the same sound bites coming over it's just like you know that he must know they must know that people like us watch everything you know do you know what i mean so there's, there's bound to be repeats yeah. and uh, and i suppose you know there's there's you know there's those sort of things but um to be honest it's like my my timeline with Kiss was coming in at around just before Dynasty um, or Dynasty, depending on who's. <laughs> um, and so because it was Dynasty, Unmasked, The Elder and all that sort of stuff, I thought that Kiss was just a band that just did different stuff every album, you know. And then I went backwards and, you know, oh, God, they're a dirty rock and roll band as well. I like this, you know. And... Um, and so, to me, they haven't really disappointed me until, like I say, latter day with Gene, just, you know, oh, I can walk into this room and leave with your girlfriend. No, you can't. You're 70 and you're married. Just stop talking like that. You know, it's kind of embarrassing. It's like that embarrassing uncle that you sort of that sits in the corner at parties, you know. But, uh, you know, that's not to say. That I don't think, like I said before, he's a genius bass player, and uh, and, and and what he and Paul um, created, um, and Ace and Peter is is beyond my little silly, you know, little points. But um, but yeah, I just like you know, it's now it's the end of the end of the road. 
and all that sort of stuff it'd be it, it would be cool if they recognize themselves that to people like me maybe not everyone they were they are a musical force so when they when they go down the road of talking about all the sort of you know the stuff around it and what have you it's not i, I just sort of think ah you know it's just tell us tell us about the music that's what i'm that's what i'm into because it it is a musical force kiss for me yep exactly mark what about revelations that have shocked you uh over the years or made you you go wow shock me well i mean when i was much younger obviously when when you first learn about stuff like you know Peter Chris not drumming on Dynasty at first you're kind of like yeah. oh wow I can't believe that and then you know even back in those times you think about you know wow I now then you find out that Ace did very minimal work on Psycho Circus and you're kind of like wow I can't believe that but I think the thing that really surprised me and I don't know how many people will find this really surprising maybe you have to be a guy that you know loves recording studios you know I think David might have a little bit of a chuckle at this one too mm-hmm. is a uh, the thing that always shocked me was I love C.K. Lent's book, okay, mm. Kiss and Sell, I believe it's yeah. called. Brilliant, yes. And I love reading that book. And one of the, the the stories in there that just really made me slap my forehead with my hand was reading the story about Ace when they finally got that huge contract after Dynasty. And he bought that house in Connecticut. And they came up to Ace and said, we have a great idea for you, Ace, for a nice, beautiful eight-track studio in your basement it'll cost maybe 20 30 grand you know it's great you can do all kinds of professional little recordings in your basement and he was all for it and then a couple of weeks later it turned into what they called the white elephant where it turned into a 24 track gigantic monstrosity that became so big that they and and because it was so big they were not able to get a license for a commercial license that was not sectored for that to do it so really he could only just record himself in there he couldn't bring other bands in there that wasn't permitted to do it because he was in residential area and to drop all this money into the studio only to have him just sell this house a couple of years later <laughs> so that to me almost made me cry when i read that i was like really really ace are you oh i just wanted to go and just grab him and wedge him when i read yeah. that story it's like come on man i mean People like me and David and even I'm sure Daniel would love a studio like that in his house or Julian would love to have a place like that to go run to and record and to have the funds to be able to do it and then squander all this and have to give up every. Uh, it really upsets me. I mean, I love Thanks. studios. I mean, I'm happy with my little small boards I have here and I, that I can do all stuff thanks to t- technology. But man, when I saw pictures of that studio, Later on in magazines, you know, when they showed it with that big picture, everybody must have saw that picture with Ace with all those guitars in there. And then they showed the MCI board that he had and all this stuff. I was like, oh, my God. You know, I was just like, this this is like, for me, it would be like heaven. You could have, if if Corona happened and I had that, you can just put a padlock on the front of the door for the next Mm -hmm. seven months and I would be happy to stay in there and never come out. You know, and just to hear that... All of that was gone from him within, like, what, two years, maybe? It was gone, that house, already by that point. Uh, it just was absolutely heartbreaking. That, to me, is shocking. Yeah, and you can rest you can rest assured that whoever bought that house immediately turned the studio into a wine cellar or something. Yeah, yeah, they, they said they, 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 they didn't do it. They gutted it and turned it into a family room or something, they said. Yeah, it's like, like oh a pool table God. in it. Yeah. yeah, off the top of my head, I think he had, actually had the house until 86, but didn't live there. So, <laughs> go figure. Oh but uh, maybe someone else knows more about that. I know that the house certainly has modern history now. Daniel, what makes you go wow? Well, uh, the topic was Gene didn't write rock and roll hell. I remember, you know, when Kiss did covers, they always stuck out a bit. Uh, Kiss and Time, and then she kissed me. Uh, what else? New York grew on Ace's song uh, album, on Ace's album. It didn't really sound like Kiss, but there was one song that I always thought Kiss had done by themselves. And then I was shocked learning that some other guy wrote it, and it was King of the Nighttime World. It was such a perfect Kiss song. So I was really surprised and shocked when I learned that they hadn't written that one, but it's a good one. But uh, otherwise, when I was a kid, I guess you were a bit naive. And 
one big shock was when I understood that my band consisted of two employers and two employees. I mean, that was a shock. You mean, I mean, you looked at the band like this force to be reckoned with a group. They went out in the streets and they were together yeah. and were best friends. We, we all, I guess we all had this experience. And I remember drawing a lot when I was a kid, drawing Kiss in the street, beating up uh, band members from Dio and Twisted Sister <laughs> and Wasp, going there in the street together. And then I learned, well, it's Paul and Gene and the other ones are just being paid by them. And it kind of, it was a big shock to me. So that was, I think that's my biggest shock when I was like 13. Yeah, there's been a lot of shocks for me, uh, especially delving into the history and uh, of all that side of things. But I, I think one of the ones that really made me scratch my head was when I found out that Bruce Kulick had actually been replaced with a session player on Every Time I Look at You. And maybe that's just because Paul did the song last night that that's popped into my head, which always amazed me that Dick Wagner did that solo. Mm. So just strike Bruce Kulick being replaced just strikes me as a sentence that does not compute. Well, I didn't know that. So that's a new one on me. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and, and it wasn't because he was out playing cards. So, you know, I, I, I think it shouldn't surprise you because they replaced, obviously they did two albums without Peter with Anton, mm -hmm. you, you know, they did all those, uh, you know, songs with mem one member playing bass, you know, that you assume is Gene and it's not, you know, it, it wasn't uncommon. Once we start discovering the history, they had Alan Schwartzberg coming in in the eighties for both, you know, animalize and asylum to do, drum overdubs you know so oh, yeah. we, need, we need more hi-hat well just you got the guy in the studio just hitting a hi-hat to add it in so but every but bruce getting replaced is just just i still shake my head at that it's like of any player who's been with the band he would be the last one i would expect to have ever been subbed out for something whatsoever and yeah, and it doesn't and it doesn't sound like anything like when you listen to it, what was played by Dick Wagner, it doesn't sound like anything that was out of his, you know, skill set or feel set, let, let alone. I mean, I I think I've heard Bruce play solos similar to that dozens of times. So like, what was, you know, was it just a situation where they had a solo, they maybe thought, ah, eh, it could have been done better, and they didn't want to wait like till tomorrow to have Bruce come in and replace it, and just had Dick do it right right away. I mean, you, you might know that better than obviously I would, but why would they have done that? Well, I think I think you're right, and I I just update my answer. Um, which is, uh, you know, not so much revelation, but the disappointment of the, the, you know, times where they pulled the wool over our eyes and or tried to anyway. You know, when I first heard Psycho Circus, I could tell that Peter Chris wasn't playing a great deal on it and stuff. But what annoys me again, someone who's been in the studio a lot of time, um, and as a producer as well, you know, I've produced bands where, you know, maybe the drummer wasn't quite as sharp, but I'll I'll just spend extra time with him and certainly in modern day recording and stuff you can you can get through you know i pete that i still think that 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 was one of the worst ones because we all felt this was going to be the four original members doing an album together and getting you know getting getting back on track and uh i was so looking forward to it and uh and just this the nonsense that I could hear through the headphones of, of this being Paul, Peter, Ace and Gene, and it clearly wasn't, you know, and, uh, and I just think, you know, when you, because, it, because there was so much hanging on it, I just think a producer like Bruce Fairburn, he, he could have, they could have done it. They could have pulled it together. I think they should have made more effort to have done it as a four piece. And, uh, you know, and, and all this stuff about, oh, well, they weren't playing as well, that sort of stuff. No, they're, they're playing like they play. You know, they play like that's why we like them. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh, so, yeah, it's having the wool pulled over your eyes a lot and thinking that people like us who really do watch and really do listen and take it all in like we wouldn't spot it, mm -hmm. you know. But, well, uh, 
on that positive note, let's leave it there. We'll uh, come back and revisit some of these uh, other uh, unused topics from today's show because, you know, that that's a good amount for people to digest for today. So, au revoir. Let's say uh, from Mark, from David, from Daniel and myself, thanks for watching. And remember, stay away from each other, and we'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.